The world as we know it continues to evolve and change into something that we can only hope to understand. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate on a daily basis. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. Today I sit down with Maddie Meyersick and Jack Seymour, two younger members of the commercial real estate industry in San Francisco, to talk about their perspective of the market and how today's environment is shaping not just their industry, but also their young careers. Maddie is a senior associate and Jack is an associate in agency leasing and tenant advisory with Transwestern in San Francisco. Both are still in their 20s and looking to grow their careers and further themselves beyond what is happening across the industry today. Welcome to the pod, Maddie and Jack. Maddie, Jack, good morning to you both. How are you? Great. Hey, Vlad. How you doing? Doing well. Where do we find you guys today? Where Where are you? I'm actually in the office. Um, I've been coming in two or three days a week for the last month or two, which has been really nice for my sanity. Nice to get out of the apartment okay. every once in a while. Yeah, I I hear you there, Maddie. Um, yesterday was my, my day in the office for the week. Um, today, I'm coming to you from... Uh, my bedroom here in Mill Valley. Okay, <laughs> excellent, excellent. What is your company doing? Are are is it sort of rel- is it relatively free for you guys to choose and pick what what you'd like to do still? Yeah, it's been pretty quiet. I would say you know on any given day there's probably two to five people here, so there's enough space to kind of spread out. They when we initially opened back up they'd sent out kind of a plan of you know a group b group these people can come in these days of the week and these people the other days and it's been a little bit more casual than that just if people have meetings downtown they can come in but yeah it's been it's been great to be here yeah yeah i would i would definitely say that you know we are being encouraged more and more to come in and collaborate and get together with our teams but certainly you know no one's being pressured by pretty as maddie said it's pretty pretty casual right now it's pretty open-ended as to you know when you come back how you come back you know if it's a if it's a half day it's a half day if it's a you know full day whatever it is but yet as i said yesterday was my first day back in in a while and just being able to kind of get in a single room with your teammates you know face to face and collaborate on stuff has just been yeah, there's so much value out of that yeah interesting yeah 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 so part of what i wanted to do with with this interview obviously is have a conversation with with a couple of you know younger members of the commercial real estate industry and kind of get your perspective on everything that is going on so before we jump into that, would you guys mind giving us a little bit of an intro, who you are, what you do, your your role at the company, just kind of, you know, how how you started in the industry? Uh, Maddie, we'll, you know, we can we can kick off with you. Sure. Um, so I started my real estate career right out of college. I got a job in property management and realized pretty quickly that that was not the role for me okay you know it takes a very specific personality type to be a good property manager so i kind of transitioned out of that i actually moved over to 
Collier's in Oakland, and I started as basically the front desk person. So I was answering calls, I was doing data entry while getting my real estate license. And then from there, I moved over to a team, an industrial brokerage team, as kind of a an admin slash broker trainee, yeah. worked over there for a couple of years and then started in brokerage about five years ago in San Francisco. So made the jump from Oakland to San Francisco. And now I focus on office leasing in San Francisco. I'm on a team of, we were four, now we're three. Our, one of our senior partners retired about a year ago, right at the same time we my two partners, Brian McCarthy and Mike McCarthy, and I moved from Collier's over to Transwestern. So that was just about a year ago. It was last November, which is hard to believe. Yeah. But that's kind of the quick version of my path into brokerage. Yeah, yeah. Jack, how about you? Yeah, so I got into commercial real estate in 2017, um, so like three and a half years ago now. Prior to commercial real estate, I was in hospitality. I uh, I worked in I worked in management operations for a local Bay Area restaurant group, you know, for several years, and it was actually you know kind of fortuitous, but it was it was as a result of a um, pretty significant rugby injury that I found myself laid up for the best part of a month, and kind of during that time, I was thinking about next steps in my career and you know where I wanted to go with things. While I kind of you know, I absolutely loved the industry, the work and the people within hospitality. I kind of realized that it wasn't really a long-term sustainable industry for for myself and, and where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be in those sorts of things. So getting home at 1 a.m. and working every holiday wasn't a problem through college, but began to get old pretty quickly when you have a fiance at home. Uh, with whom you essentially become, you know, passing ships in the night. Yeah. Yeah. So that got pretty tough. But so during the time I was laid up, real estate was kind of put to me by someone as, you know, something I should look into, you know, and I kind of originally thought, what, selling houses? I think most people that have no understanding or no relationship to anyone in real estate automatically default to residential real estate. Sure. I know I did anyway. Mm -hmm. And for me, the emotional component of residential real estate wasn't something that I would have been a strength for me, let's just say that. But what I really did find interesting was kind of the business component or the, or the commercial side of the side of the coin, right? So I basically began to take informational interviews with different people, different firms, different specializations within the commercial real estate realm, and eventually found myself in the Transwestern San Francisco office, chatting with Jeff Moller, Pete Conti, and Zach Monzies about potentially joining their team. I had a lot in common with those guys and gelled with them straight off the bat. And, you know, three and a half years later, here we are. Great. And I should also state, you guys are still both in your 20s. Is that is that correct? Correct. Okay. That's a, that's a qualifier to make sure you are part of this. <laughs> <laughs> I just turned 29. Okay. Oh, right. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And I'm and I'm joking about that, but but in all seriousness, there is a perspective that we're trying to bring about this based on your experience and length in the in the industry. So tell us a little bit about Maddie, you, you would describe this a little bit, you know, in terms of how you kind of you know, you know, started with call years and then it's kind of how you weaved through the organization there and then followed your team over to 
Transwestern and Jack, you've described that also a little bit. Now that you're you've had a couple of years with your organization, is is there a clear sort of like path for somebody coming like you, or is it one of these where where you are you know left to your own devices to sort of figure out you know what's the best team for me to join? How do I you know leverage into my next role? You know and that kind of thing. You know, tell us a little you know bit about that. And I'm not here. To, to you know try to knock the industry in any way just trying to understand you know you know compared to some other in industries you know how does it work in in the roles in which you are yeah I think brokerage is really unique in that there aren't ever really job postings or brokerage roles you kind of have to know someone so my path was you know once I realized I wanted to be a broker I was just informational interviewing with everybody I could in San Francisco and you. I think the most effective way to find the right fit is to just talk to as many people as possible because, you know, while there might be, you know, you could go on Glassdoor or any of those job posting sites and there might be, you know, posting for an associate role at a company. What I've found really valuable is being on a team with, to what used to be three kind of senior partners who have guided me through the process and helped boost my career. I think brokerage in general, you have the option to be very individualistic in a lot of ways and you can kind of blaze your own trail and you've got your clients and you can be a one-off out on your own, but I've found it very valuable to have a team around me supporting me, kind of teaching me the ways, because I think it can be a little bit isolating right? when you're just, right. it's just you. Yeah. I, you know, to, to kind of echo Maddie's sentiment there, I think, you know, the days of being shown a desk, given a phone book and a phone are gone, right? Like no one can be expected to, do well as a broker without, you know, mentorship, training, you know, and guidance. It's, as Maddie said, it's an extremely entrepreneurial kind of job that comes with, you know, a significant amount of flexibility and avenues in which you can take it. You know, you can go a different folk, you can be on a landlord side or a tenant side, but even further, you can go into different specifications of that or deal with different types of ownerships or different types of product. While there is such flexibility, it can be overwhelming for a young broker, I think, to kind of be be given just such a, a blank slate. So finding a subset would be kind of my first advice to a young young broker that's, you know, given too many options almost is like find your focus, find your niche learn about that niche as much as you can, right? Learning about your your client or your client's industry is just as important as learning about kind of your own industry, right? right? Your own, Absolutely. you know, how the commercial real estate world works is just as important to understand how your client's business works. Yeah. So don't don't try and do too much for too many would kind of be my commentary there. And and we'll we'll get into some of the, you know, feedback and advice that you can give to to others, you know, a little bit later too, but um but but it sounds like for the for the most part it is relatively sort of an unstructured kind of environment in a sense where you know you're not put like okay, go work in this area for three months and then this area for three months where you're given like some kind of a, you know, exposure to the industry, right? I mean, you're sort of figuring it out on your own as it as it is. Is that is that a fair assessment? I think for the most part, yes. I know a few of the larger companies have 
like CBRE has the wheel program where they put you in different roles, different groups yeah. for two to three months at a time. And you can kind of figure out what fits, but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty unstructured and you kind of have to know somebody in the industry. I mean, my dad is also a broker and I don't know that I ever would have even known that this was an option for me yeah. if I hadn't seen it growing up. How much of, of, of that effort that, that you know you guys are doing on a, on a daily basis in terms of you know figuring out where's the best fit for you? How much of that do you think has been disrupted by you know COVID and you know how do you have to take a step back and kind of rethink it all or tell me a little bit about sort of what's going on through, through your mind with that? You know, when, when COVID hit myself, I was approaching that kind of famed, you know, three year mark as a young broker, depending on who you speak with, it can kind of be at like, you know, the, the three year mark, perhaps it's the five year hurdle that young brokers kind of need to get past that kind of threshold or that point where you, you know, you're grinding it out. Um, you're making a ton of mistakes early on. You try and build a book of business and really figure out, you know, what type of real estate professional you want to become. So personally, my kind of production, you know, was growing each year and 2020 definitely was looking like a good one as far as what was in the immediate pipeline, much of which obviously, you know, got put on pause or disappeared completely. But as someone only in the business, you know, three years or so, all I'd known prior to COVID was up and to the right. Right, right. You know, um, <laughs> I, I think I think everyone in the biz kind of knew something had to give in San Francisco eventually, but obviously no one knew it would be a pandemic that did it. You know, so if, if I'm to look at how the last seven or months have sort of impacted me professionally, I have to think that it's making me more equipped to thrive kind of post-COVID. Right. Uh, when everything was kind of cruising along, deals were getting done, everyone was getting paid. I definitely wasn't as conscious of my approach to things like, you know, new biz dev, sort of maintaining and building those professional relationships um, or even taking time to like learn new skills, do more reading on, you know, on the industry or learn more about technologies and trends and those sorts of things. So. You know, I definitely think it's, you know, there's been some positives to come out of it as well. And part of why I'm asking this question also is, and you, you guys probably were not aware of this or maybe not thinking about this, but a decade ago during the you know Great Recession, because of the financial impact on the industry uh, more broadly, a lot of people actually left the industry. Right. So uh, we noticed that there was this huge kind of generational gap, if you will, that I think only since maybe, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013 is when we started seeing, you know, quite frankly, you know, more more people, more younger people entering the industry again, and and that's why I'm sort of asking about that because I'm I'm also curious. What are you guys seeing from your peers in the industry? Are are you seeing them, and and not just and not just brokers, but folks that work in you know other parts of the industry, whether it's in architecture, whether it's in finance, but you know related to you know commercial real estate, are 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 you seeing that group beginning to dissipate a little bit, or is it still too early to tell? So you know, I've had a few conversations with brokers where you know they're thinking they want to stay in real estate, but they need some sort of supplemental income to kind of get them through this slow period and unfortunately the issue is there's not really many other options right now so 
I, one example, I was talking to a friend of mine and she's got quite a few connections in the VC community. So she was thinking, you know, maybe I can go kind of contract for a VC for a few months or a year and learn that industry more in depth and then come back to brokerage once things kind of start to pick back up. And it's nice that we have that flexibility, but I think it's tricky right now because nobody's really hiring. Right. And, and, and you're not, and you're saying not just in commercial real estate, but just everywhere. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So even if there are people who may want to leave the industry, there aren't a whole lot of other options, but yeah, I haven't, I think maybe it's too early to tell Jack, have you heard? Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with that. I think it's, I think it's still a little early to tell. I think, you know, obviously in the next, six months we're going to see a lot more and that's going to grow exponentially i think the longer this goes on and the longer that there's a, a kind of a, a freeze in the market the rate at which people are, are leaving the market will grow exponentially but i also think on the flip side of that the rate in which people are getting into right. the industry is slowed exponentially as well right like no one's no one's leaving college right now thinking that commercial real estate is probably the best idea to, right. to go become a broker. So I think there's going to be a supply pipeline issue, uh, which will be felt in kind of years to come. I'm sure that was just as much an impact, you know, after the last kind of downturn as the exodus was, you know, so it's kind of felt on both sides of it, right? But, you know, to be honest, I haven't seen a significant exodus of other young brokers from San Francisco just yet. I think that too is kind of a result of the modern day team structure right. approach. There aren't too many young guys or girls out there doing it totally solo. That's um, true. There just isn't. Like most are attached with a senior broker. And again, I would say, you know, property managers, for example, have never been busier. And, and I'll take this opportunity, shout out and props to all the property managers out there who are literally on the front lines, you know, fielding calls at all hours, you know, from, from owners and tenants alike that are frankly just scared. So, you know, no one's ever calling a property manager just to say, Hey, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. You know, they're, <laughs> they're always calling. Even, even in good times, even in good times. Right. Yeah. It's, Hey, my lights burnt right. out and the elevator's not working. <laughs> right. So, you know, for all the PMs out there, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you definitely appreciate it. And also, shameless plug, Transwestern is hiring property managers and assistant property managers right now. Uh, so if you're interested, there are opportunities in commercial real estate. And like Maddie said, you know, she started off as a property manager. I think that's one of the best ways into the business. If you have the long-term vision of becoming a broker, but you, A, don't have you know, a savings account or mommy and daddy can't help you out for your first 12 months, then go learn the business in property management, learn how buildings run, right. learn out, learn the issues that tenants and landlords, you know, face on a day-to-day basis, learn the economics of, of the product. Um, I, I couldn't think of a better, I couldn't think of a better training than, than that. Um, personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I should also add, we've, we've, you know, worked with uh, Boma in San Francisco and in Silicon Valley, and I know they've all, even, 
even when things were great, they've had a hard time finding people to go into the, to that industry. And I think on many levels in the Bay Area, that's just difficult because it's just not as sexy as going to work for you know a Facebook or a Google. And then those companies have like hundreds of their own kind of property people as well. So it's you know it's it's very easy to kind of jump jump on that band bandwagon. Are you guys seeing you know peers in in you know you you like I said, you guys are both in your in your late twenties. When I was in my late twenties, the you know dot com bust sort of you know happened, and I went to business school. Are 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 you seeing a lot of your peers kind of considering that also? You know, graduate school and that kind of thing, uh, just to sort of maybe sit it out for a couple of years. You know, it's interesting. I've actually heard of a few people who were planning to go to graduate school, but postponed due to the pandemic because so much of business school is the relationships that you build and the connections that you make and doing that all online didn't seem like as good of an experience. You know, you're not getting, you're not building those relationships that will allow you to come out of business school and find these great jobs and be more successful. Yeah. I, I, I would definitely agree with that. You know, the, the intangible value of, of, you know, post-secondary education, like, you know, um, doing an MBA or, you know, whatever it is, or retraining in another field is, is definitely that, right? It's the network that you, that you build during it. But, you know, on the flip side of that, if, you know, if you're looking at that from the other standpoint, you know, learning remotely equips you with the new skills to work in an ever-increasingly remote world. So, you know, there's kind of, you know, you could take, take from it what you will but you know me personally i definitely got friends that are studying part-time but that was already in the works pre-covid i would say um, i don't know specifically of anyone that has gone and, and dropped brokerage completely and you know retrained um, in, in that sense but i would definitely say that right. you know as i mentioned earlier there's so there's so much kind of informal training that, you know, we're all doing now that we have some downtime from these deals and deal flow, you know, I don't know about you, Maddie, but I'm, you know, doing so much more reading, you know, industry reading and that sort of thing than I've ever done before, just because I have, I now have the time to, or, you know, I, I did a, a course through, God, who was it through? NAOP. Um, it was a, an advanced certificate in fin- in commercial real estate finance. I did that at the beginning of COVID when everything just stopped completely. Um, so I guess that is an example of, of more structured learning that's taken place. But yeah, interesting, interesting. So there's you know you you mentioned something, Jack, about you know learning kind of new new skills and you know that kind of thing. The, the, the industry, as you guys, as you both probably know, is probably not thought of one that's like super technologically advanced as maybe some other industries are uh, what's been your experience kind of you know coming coming out of you know school and you know having this very technically oriented upbringing right and going into an industry that you know Maddie as you and I talked you know the other day about you know just stopped using spreadsheets as kind of a major <laughs> major form of of technology just a couple of years ago right you know I'm not sure the industry has stopped using spreadsheets just yet <laughs> 
Well, we'll 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 probably <laughs> never stop using them. I mean, it's a it's a it is a wonderful tool. Um, but but I would love your perspective in terms of like you know what 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 can the industry do? And I'm not specifically pointing on you know trans Western, but just just overall, what can the industry do? You know, better that that you think would um, you know make it more appealing, even or uh, more efficient. Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, real estate in general has always been so far behind, particularly being in the Bay Area, we're surrounded by the Googles and the Facebooks and, you know, all these big tech companies that use, you know, super advanced software and everyone's used to Zoom calls or Google Hangouts. It was much easier, I think, for a lot of these tech companies to transition to everyone being 100% remote than it was for our industry, which is so tangible and we're out meeting people and touring buildings. But I do think there are some really interesting technologies that are coming out of this that may not have been as successful had the pandemic not happened. I think Matterport is the first one that really comes to mind, which is the virtual tours. They've been around forever and it just wasn't something that at least for my team, we had such a high rate of turnover in terms of our availabilities and our spaces that by the time we were able to get into a space that was vacant or cleaned up enough to shoot it, put together the tour, get it on our flyer, get it out to the market, the space would already be leased. This is this is that up and to the right thing that Jack was talking about, right? Exactly. Was so, exactly. It, was, it was easy to lease, right? <laughs> Exactly. So, and now, you know, our team just bought a Matterport camera and we're going through all of our spaces. And the nice thing about that is once you have it, you can reuse it unless there's a major TI that's done. If we lease a space in five years from now, the tenant moves out and it looks the same, we can use that same fly through if needed. Definitely agree with Maddie there. It's, I mean, commercial real estate, we all know is, is a dinosaur compared to other industries. For example, I was, I was actually sitting in my living room a couple of weeks ago with a, a friend of mine who's in sales for a startup in San Francisco. And we both had our laptops open working away. And he looks over and sees CoStar open on my computer. And he's like, are you kidding me? That's the interface <laughs> that you work with? It looks like it's from the 1990s. <laughs> and, and it was, I kind of had to agree with him. It's, you know, like, but that is kind of quintessential and that is sort of representational of commercial real estate, right? It's, it's, it's a little aged. But I think this whole thing that we're all going through right now is, is just going to thrust it forward. Changes that were already kind of on the precipice, I think it's going to change a lot, you know, from technology standpoint, but also from a client standpoint too, right? Like, for example, the work from home policy isn't a new policy. It's been around, especially in sure, you know, San yeah. Francisco and the tech world for some time on, on some level. But now that everyone is kind of thrust into that change, you know, the tools in which we use have had to kind of keep up and we've had to adopt, you know, not just the new tools, but new strategies and policy and procedure to kind of best use those tools. But, you know, I think that's going to be the same for commercial real estate. I think this is going to be a catalyst for pretty massive change from all components of it. I think Maddie and my role is going to look completely different in call it two years from now than it did six months ago. 
You know, I think it's going to be much less transactional. I think it's going to be much more advisory. You know, I think we're going to have much more of an advisory role yeah. than, a, than, a, than a brokerage role, if you will. So, you know, and, but the tools, you know, the tools that we had, or sorry, the tools that we have today weren't around in the last recession. So, you know, the whole work from home thing and the remote work policy is kind of here to stay in some regards because, you know, last downturn, we didn't have Slack. We didn't have, you know, Matterport to be able to do virtual tools. We didn't have, you know, cloud-based technologies that allowed for collaboration like we do today. So, you know, I think it's kind of adopt or die for, for a lot of people in the industry. We sort of have to you know, we can't bury our head in the sand, be naive and say, oh, no, it's going to bounce back like it did after the dot com. You know, give it six months, give it 12 months. It'll, it'll come back to normal. It'll all, it'll all be fine. I, I think that's naive and I think it's, it's not serving anyone well long term to have those kind of views. I think we will recover, but how we recover will be a completely different environment you know, the end result will be a completely different environment than what it is pre-COVID. Yeah, 100%, Jack. I think you nailed, nailed that one on the head because I, you know, from, from my experience, and I've now gone through a couple of these, you know, it's, you never go back to normal. You, you, you set a new normal. That's, that's, that's been my experience on, in, in everything, right, that, that, you know, we do. So I'm, you know, you know, very, you know, curious how fast that new normal and what it's going to look like, right, is is going to arrive. There's been a lot of negative kind of things about COVID and the impact on the industry and the economy and that kind of stuff. If if you guys look at sort of, you know, w- what is positive kind of coming out of this whole thing, you know, how, how would you guys quantify that? My senior partner, Mike, always says that it's really hard to pick up new business when the market's good because clients are happy Anybody can get a deal done. There's just not as much opportunity. You know, people aren't out there looking for new brokerage teams when their existing brokerage team is doing just fine in a good market. So I think, you know, when there's a shakeup like this, it's an opportunity for all of us to get new business, kind of tighten up our existing business. I think one of the things that is a positive that's come out of this is particularly at the beginning of the lockdown, we were having conversations with our client. Granted, I mean, they were the same conversations over and over and over again with all of our clients, but it was, it was a touch point to reach out and talk to people that we haven't talked to in a while. Just kind of get your foot in the door with new people, really solidify the relationships that we do have. And I think One thing that's really giving me hope right now is it does feel like there's tenants out there that are planning. I don't, you know, they're not doing deals this year. It's not going to happen before December, but it seems like there's a lot of groups out there that are starting the process of strategic planning and figuring out space needs and what their kind of re-entry plan looks like for next year. I did see a... um... Headline today, actually, Maddie, which is very interesting that, that you talk about how one of your partners said, you know, it's very hard to get new clients when, you know, everything is good. There's a headline today in the news, and I was trying to figure out which news outlet had this, but but we've seen a record 
number of new companies started so far. Really, you know, which is kind of interesting, and I and I think it, it it's it's one of these things. You know, when there is disruption, there's also opportunity, right? And that that is not unusual. I mean, our company started sort of right before the recession, and we kind of went through it. I think you'll learn a lot, and probably the best time to start a company is during a time like this because you are laser focused on making sure that there's revenue coming through and you're not Mm -hmm. focused on, you know, other things. And those are not necessarily, you know, bad things. Um, Although, you know, there is going to be hardship. Yeah. And it's, and the other interesting thing about that is there's, we're still seeing a ton of VC funding happening here. You know, as much as our business has slowed down and leasing is very quiet there's still money out there to be had for these new companies. And, you know, that, that industry, I think based on the last time I checked, we were at about 85% of VC funding compared to last year. So there really hasn't been a huge drop off in funding, which is kind of an interesting stat. Yeah. And we'll see some exits probably come up soon. Uh, Airbnb is one of them, which I think will, you know, probably reinvigorate that market a little bit too. Yeah, to the sentiment of, you know, a downturn being a good time to kind of, you know, start a new venture or think a little more entrepreneurial. Like, you know, one thing that I've I've seen personally, my wife, she's a, she's in residential real estate here with Compass in, in Marin. And her phone, she gets a call every second day from a friend, an acquaintance, a friend of a friend that is looking to get into real estate and wants to pick her brain. Right. I think people that now have time, whether they've been kind of retrenched, laid off or, you know, whatever it is, are kind of looking at more entrepreneurial kind of, you know, pursuits, you know, as a way out of this, as a, as a, you know, residential real estate in Marin has kind of been, you know, recession proof here during this and during the last eight months, if, if not the opposite direction. You know, so that is attractive for a lot of people getting over into the residential game. I'm sure we might, you know, and going back to the question earlier on in the piece, you know, will we see young brokers leave commercial real estate, perhaps maybe to go across to residential? You know, that is one one avenue that we might see. But, you know, just back to the point on, on, you know, people are feeling more entrepreneurial today. I would definitely agree with that. Great, great. So let's go back to kind of some of the earlier points you guys were making about um, some of the advice that you would give to somebody entering the industry now. What What would be that advice? My advice to someone that is getting into the industry would be to try and try and find a role if there is one that enables you to learn right? It's look at it like, and it's an apprenticeship. The first few years at least have to be purely based on learning. Don't think that you're going to go out and make a bunch of money, do a bunch of deals, all those sorts of things. Have the goal of learning first. After your third year, look back and kind of do a self-assessment on what you now know versus when you start, right? And if you perhaps, you know, times where things are good and you're just doing a bunch of deals, you, you learn how to, you learn the process really well, but you don't necessarily learn all that much about your client. Um, so, you know, to my point I made earlier as well, learn as much about your client in your client's industry as possible. Being able to relate to a client is huge. It's not easy for a tw- an early a broker in their early 20s to relate 
to a client a lot of the time, particularly landlords. Sure. But yeah, learn as much about their industry, learn as much about their pain points. I think that's a huge one, right? Learning, you know, yeah, learning about their pain points, learning about their industry, that that's just key. But um, also align yourself with a team that has kind of, you know, shared values. You know, if, if your value is, you know, you know, you really enjoy that kind of team aspect, that camaraderie, that sharing, um, you know, that kind of mentality, perhaps you have a sporting background, you know, align yourself with teams that have that share that similar sentiment, but also to be a little strategic, right? You don't want to join a team where everyone has the same strength. Perhaps you want to join a team where, you know, you're the numbers guy or, or you're the people, the people girl, you know what I mean? It's, um, so be a little strategic with the team that you do choose and then, you know, see if there's programs out there where learning is, is the focus. For example, Transwestern has a uh, broker analyst program where each year there's, it's kind of like um, the wheel program that Maddie alluded to earlier, but, you know, each year there's 20 to 30 young brokers straight out of college from all around the country. Right. Um, that converge once a quarter in a kind of learning or classroom setting where senior people from the Transwestern organization, senior clients, big, big clients are coming in and talking to these, uh, you know, to these kids, essentially, um, you know, senior C-level executives are getting FaceTime with 20, 20 or 30 kids, right? Like these kids are literally sitting there with the CEO uh, and president and founders of Transwestern shaking their hands, picking sure. their brain, yeah. try and find those, those kind of programs. They're out there. Uh, they take a little digging to find, but they're certainly out there and they're, they're invaluable. I, I completely agree with what Jack said. We've got a fire alarm going off in the building. There's apparently a fire drill for an almost empty office building happening. Um, so sorry for the background noise. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent with, with Jack, I think aligning yourself with a team that shares values and is going to support your learning and development in the industry is, is probably the most important thing. So finding a group that you feel like you mesh with and, and you can really develop your skills through them is huge. Do you, do you see yourself in the industry five, 10 years from now? And what, what do you think your job is going to be? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think, as I, as I said earlier, I think um, our role is going to be completely different. I think as we see kind of a, an unveiling, if you will, of the data in which has kept commercial real estate so siloed and so protected for many, many years, right? Data and knowledge of that data is, is kind of everything um, in a brokerage world. I think as that kind of, that door gets unlocked and, you know, the general public gets access to the data that we've always held, I think our role is definitely going to become more advisory. It's going to become, you know, helping, it's going to be helping companies strategically plan for growth you know, it's going to be connecting companies with, you know, the right vendors. It's going to be bringing a level of data and analysis to a company's facilities that supports their business goals. I think it's going to be a lot more substantive. It'll be less transactional and more focused on the client and their 
business goals is where I kind of see things going. It's going to be a lot more um, technology driven, technology enabled, fast paced. I think the speed in which commercial real estate transactions, as I just mentioned, are going to speed up a lot. Um, Gone are the days of wet signatures and back and forth lease documents. Um, you know, we've obviously seen that over the last couple of years with DocuSign and the rest, but there's still plenty of landlords out there that want their wet signatures. I think, you know, that that type of thing is is gone. And that's just purely an example of, of how I think the pace of everything is just going to speed up. And, you know, I think it, it takes a an open mind to really succeed in the new world. I don't think, you know, we can bury our heads in the sand and, and think everything's going to be okay. I think, you know, you need to be proactive in your learning and, and your, your approach to things. I think you, the more open-minded you can be with how things, how things change, the, you know, the easier, the easier it is. When a wave dumps you at the beach, you don't tense up your body. You just relax and let it wash over. Right, <laughs> right. And and one of the things that you also said about work will become more consultative. It, it's also going to be, probably become more global and international too, right? I mean, these companies, if you have a relationship with them in the Bay Area, it doesn't mean your work stops in the Bay Area. You're going to go with them wherever they go, whether it's Cincinnati, New York, whether it's you know Beijing or, right? I mean, th- th- those are the kind of relationships that I think will start to transcend you know borders more and more. Yeah, completely. You know, the nature of work and the way in which companies, you know, attract and retain talent are now, uh, you know, so different than they were even eight months ago, right? It's remote first is a term that's being thrown around now. Twitter, DocuSign now has a remote first policy, right? Where it's, we just want the best candidate, no matter where they are, where they sit. uh, We just want the best candidate that's able to do the job, right? right? And I think that that's going to have massive effects on, you know, a facilities, um, on the facilities world. But I also think that will lead to the value of office potentially increasing. You know, I see the true value of office becoming somewhere where companies come together, collaborate, do those really high order thinking tasks, those creative tasks, those those tasks that you just can't do on, on Zoom, Slack, um, and the like, you know, tasks that have so much value associated to them, the data entry tasks, the mundane, you know, cold calling and, and sales emails and those sorts of things, they can be done from anywhere, right? But when we come together in an office, the value of that office is such that it is supporting such a valuable part of doing business that I think it's it's really, people aren't going to just get rid of office altogether. It'll just look completely different. Jack hit the nail on the head. I think we've become 10, 15 years ago, brokers were the guardians of information. And that was kind of your value add to your client. And now that information has become so readily available, we're becoming more strategic advisors and collaborators. It's, I think there's definitely more of a team feel with our clients. And I think that's only going to increase moving forward. You know, it's how can we get creative and make deals in a way that is going to add the most value to uh, for me, buildings, because I represent landlords and for, you know, tenant reps, it will be, you know, how can we get creative to allow tenants to maximize their 
use of space. But I think, yeah, Jack said it exactly. It's our role is changing into a more strategic, collaborative type of job, as opposed to, I have this information that I'm safeguarding and I will, I'm only going to share it with my clients. And that's, that's where your value is added. Makes sense. Um, Maddie, Jack, it's been a pleasure chatting with you guys. I appreciate your honest feedback and updates on the industry. Stay safe, both of you. You too. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having us.